What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elliot Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Intimate Knowledge with Brooke Burke, Megan King, and sex and intimacy coach Leela DeVille. Shh. It's a show about sex. Hey Yo. girls, how are you? Hi. Hello. Good to see all of you again. Good to see all of you digitally. Yes. I like that I at least get to see your face on the screen, but I miss you girls. Mm, we did. I do too. How are you doing? I, I am so homesick right now. <laughs> I bet. I bet. Yeah, I'm really, really missing my my regular life. I mean, things are good here. Um, you know, I think I'm, but I'm been two months away, and I'm just kind of eager to get back. But I know it's, it's so different back there right now, and just trying to stay present. Yeah, yeah, it does feel like we've missed a season now that, you know, summer's coming. Many of us are still like, wait a minute, what happened to spring? <laughs> and time has right. been going, time has been going by quite fast. But yeah, I, I don't know when you return and what you return to and what the new norm looks like. Mm. Um, oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Oh, good. How are you doing, Megan? I'm good. Um, my kids went to their dad's house and so Ooh. I've gotten a little bit of a break and so I'm able to kind of kind of like take a little bit of time for myself and kind of see what people are talking about when they say that they've experienced a little bit of boredom during the quarantine. I <laughs> I love I'm loving that taste of boredom. It's spectacular. <laughs> what a contrast for you. You went from familyville to now having a different kind of freedom and being alone. Wow. I, I, yeah, I mean, I I get a few days off. I mean, it's not, it's not, you know, anything that's going to last for nine weeks like it did, you know, before, but, um, 
Yeah, it's nice. I miss my kids though. My life has changed quite a bit too. I think I told you a couple shows ago that my 18 year old moved back in full time. And now with um, all the controversy of what happens in the fall, going back to school, a lot of kids may be, you know, stay at staying at home and doing online studying. So it's been really nice to have our home. It's been a really interesting dynamic. We were actually sitting around the breakfast table this morning, three of my children and, um, you know, my second child is 18 now and she's an adult. And I was telling her about the guest that we're going to have on the show today, Dr. Sherry Ross, which I'm so excited about because she's been our family OBGYN for quite some time. She's extremely knowledgeable and she really speaks to young women and she's all about educating them and finding their comfort zone and very pro women protecting themselves at every age, especially when you're, you know, a 16, 17 year old young woman, you know, wanting to explore sexuality and be responsible. So she's been a big part of our lives for a while, but the conversation somehow with my son, my daughter, and my 18-year-old came up about birth control. And my son was asking, well, what exactly is birth control? And we speak very openly in our family, very scientifically. I don't make a lot of things up. I try to keep it age appropriate, but we're, we're pretty honest, um, especially mm-hmm. when it comes to medical questions. So um, we all sort of took a stab at it and we were talking about birth control in relation to making love and being safe and preventing pregnancy. And I was really surprised, girls. My oldest daughter and her two friends said, ew, that is so gross, mom. Why do you have to call it making love? Oh, and really? My, yeah. And my daughter actually shared a story with her friend. She was like, yeah, my mom asked me the other day if my boyfriend and I were like making love. And that's just so gross. And it dawned on me the resistance that young women have with intimacy. And I, and I said to her, I said, I asked her, would you prefer that I was more vulgar about it? Why is that more comfortable? And I, I just thought it was such an interesting take. I, I had, I had, I didn't, I never realized that. And I don't know if it's because of what's available on the web or if their idea of sexuality is more casual. It kind of bummed me out because I, I think of all the beautiful possibilities of connection and making love and the tenderness of sharing that experience. And they all agreed that that was a really gross, <laughs> a gross thing. What, what do you take on that? What's your take on that, Leila? Is that surprising to you too? Um, not for the younger generation. I think it does shift as you, like I, I remember being younger and, and not really wanting my parents to call it anything um, because right. whatever they said was going to be, you know, repulsive to me um, in some way. So I think there's, there's that that layer um but also I do think sex is somewhat still really disconnected from romantic love Mm -hmm. and not Mm -hmm. still but it maybe even more so so there is that 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 disconnection and not wanting that kind of openness and vulnerability that even like the term making love kind of evokes Um, so yeah just wanting to keep it like at a distance and and um, more manageable Mm, but anyway, I, I, I think it definitely shifts as you start to experience and well Brooke, did they say what they would rather it be called you know what you're reading my mind Megan I was afraid to ask because I knew it was going to be vulgar and the little ones were in the kitchen so I didn't really want to go there you know like with the f word or whatever and I'm not going to speak that way with my daughter so mm-hmm. I, I just was I was really surprised so I, I just wanted to bring that up to you and you yeah. know Dr. Sherry Ross she wrote a book that I gave my my older daughters 
um, many years ago called Sheology, and it's a really a definitive guide to women's intimate health, but it, it kind of breaks down a very comfortable narrative for young women getting to know themselves. And I, I just, I think it's so important. We, we continue our conversation about intimacy and understanding our body, but I do think that there's a real resistance in personal pleasure with the younger generation and understanding that and finding freedom in that and their body confidence and educating themselves. And I remember, um, without naming any any names because it's too personal, but I remember um, with one of my children, I, I remember specifically Dr. Ross asking my daughter if she knew what her clitoris was. And mm -hmm. to my surprise and Dr. Ross's, the answer was no. And um, I just, I, I think it's such an important conversation and I, I find really great comfort in exploring those things. I, I like to think of it as sensual um, health mm -hmm. and education and even taking out the word sex for, for mothers and daughters that are not comfortable having that dialogue because some kids aren't. You know, yeah. my mom was very open with me. My sister would never talk about the birds and the bees or sex with my mother. There was no chance. And a lot of mother-daughter relationships are like that. You know, I, you said, you know, clitoris or clitoris. And I wonder if the word clit had been used, if she might have known. Maybe. Because I feel like, you know, Maybe. terms do go such a long way. And um, I mean, it's just, you know, it's a, a thought, but I think it's worth yeah. exploring. Yeah, terms. we really educated ourselves on terms last week. On yeah, I missed it. I, you know, <laughs> I, I I missed it, and I need to catch up because I'm sure there's some that I um that I need to learn as well. But um, yeah. what a fun episode that is, and so real right now when everything's fun. all techie and code and yeah. Um, but yeah, you might be right, Megan. That's that's a really Maybe. good point. But I think yeah. that a lot of women struggle with finding the right words and their comfort level in yeah, discussing absolutely. things or just maybe not knowing what that is and what kind yep. of pleasure it can yeah. deliver. And, and the um, more that you can get comfortable with your own sexuality, the more that you can, you know, be comfortable when your kids come to you with, you know, all these different terms or questions or whatever. Yeah. And, and, it's, and it's really good to remember as well, like when we're talking about sex and educating our kids, we're really just talking about that birds and bees talk. We like sexual pleasure and sensual pleasure and is not included in that. So unless mm -mm. you are the one or you have or an auntie or an uncle is educating your children mm -hmm. um, on pleasure, then they're not getting it. And they did just yeah. seeing um, whatever they see on the internet. Which And I um, feel comfortable talking to my daughters and my mother was very open and we had a super close, um, very comfortable dialogue growing up. So it's important and it and it um, really shaped my whole philosophy around that but not everybody has that and not everybody was fortunate enough to be raised by a connected mother or a mother who was comfortable in her own sexuality you know so um but I know that Sherry's here and she's waiting should yes. we just get her you know get her on the feed so that we can um learn a little bit more today <laughs> yes learn more. yeah Brooke can you tell us a little bit about Sherry and and um her connection too yeah, I mean, she's been our family doctor for quite some time. Um, my very first OBGYN in Los Angeles who delivered my oldest two daughters was in her office. She's an author. She's a health expert. She's super passionate about women's health, has always been an advocate. She actually has two books that she's published. So the first one um, was the Sheology, and the second one is, is Sheequal. So she's just very outspoken. And I love her take, and I love the ability that she has to make young women feel comfortable. And, you know, she's just 
very committed to that education and as we are. So I think nothing's off limits. And I think we can open up that dialogue very freely with her. And I also want to, you know, ask her about a lot of the misconceptions that women have about their own body, you know, the big O and, um, you know, anything else that we're curious about. Let's let's dive into it. I'm Elia Connie, and this is Family Therapy. My best hopes, I guess, identify the life that I want and, and work towards it. I never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. I get the impression that you don't feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? That's true, and I'm not offended by that. Thank you for, for going through those things, and thank you for overcoming them. Wow. Uh, thank God for the limits. Every time I have like one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. I feel like my focus is redirected in a, in a different aspect of my life now. So, how'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy. Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to talk about and go through all the things that are sometimes difficult to process alone. We're going to go over how to regulate your emotions, diving deep into holistic personal development, and just building your mindset to have a happier, healthier life. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? And basically have conversations that can help us get through this crazy thing we call life. I already believe in myself. I already see myself. And so when people give me an opportunity, I'm just like, oh, great, you see me too. We'll laugh together. We'll cry together and find a way through all of our emotions. Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We started talking about this incident. Drugs and uh, officials cover up. (laughs) You couldn't believe it. From iHeart Podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. A story about money, power, and corruption. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. There's no way that that guy's a doctor. I'm Paul Pringle, and I'm an investigative reporter for the LA Times. This is the story of an investigation that starts in a hotel room in Pasadena, California, and reaches all the way to the top of two of the most powerful institutions in the city of Los Angeles. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. This is Fallen Angels, the story of California corruption. We're always going to have predators. It's the good people who stand by and do nothing that allow them to flourish. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm so happy to see you. Thanks for taking time. I know how busy you are and we are so committed to sensual health and educating our listeners. And, you know, you and I have a, a, a long time relationship, a family relationship. So I really appreciate you joining us and, um, 
you know, let's, let's just get right into it. We have lots of questions for you. (laughs) First of all, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. No complaints. You know, every day's a blessing. We're here. We're healthy. We're good. Um, Happy to be able to continue the, the messaging, the narrative, talking about our bodies, women's health. So I think the COVID has been good for women's health because there's a lot more opportunity to talk about it. Hmm, that's true. I mean, there's probably a lot more opportunity to talk in general. <laughs> you know, well, what what, what shift that. have you noticed? What have you noticed? Like, during you know, this I just time? noticed that people are online more. People are have more more time to explore, to to read. Uh, there's so much podcasting going on, and the vagina is hot right now. Everybody's talking about the vagina. Hmm. So, Do you think it's because people aren't getting enough of it? Or what, 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 what's the reason for that right now? You know, you think I've, I've seen the shift in the last two years. I think, you know, Trump really helped infuri- <laughs> infuriate enough women um, by sort of, you know, using terms like pussy. And I think women were just pissed off and, and it made them all pay attention in a different way. Women mm-hmm. were all of a sudden you know, the Me Too movement has really propelled this conversation. Trump has propelled Mm -hmm. propelled the conversation of our health, our wellness, our sexual wellness. What should Mm -hmm. we expect? What is normal? You know, what are we sick and tired of just living with? You know, so I think it really, you know, we locked arm in arms for the last couple of years, uh, women. And, you know, group of of women locking arm in arms, forget it. Like we are unlike any force to be reckoned with, right? I love that. I mean, I love the, yeah, I mean, I love the positive side of women finding their voice and living out loud. And I hadn't connected those two. So yeah, it makes perfect sense. It it really does. And, you know, I, I remember when you gave your first book to my daughter and I was just so impressed in the voice and the narrative and that a young woman could really digest it and find comfort in the intimate dialogue and conversation. I know how committed you are to that. Um, why did you write that book, you know, outside of the obvious? You know, uh, I'll tell you, I, the stories that I heard when a, when a woman put her legs up in stirrups, all of a sudden I became the best friend, the therapist, mm-hmm. uh, you know, as vulnerable as a positioning it is, like mm-hmm. people were so comfortable and at ease. And I was like, you know, I got to write this shit down. I am hearing things. People were all of a sudden, everybody was wondering about, you know, the, the, the lips of their vagina and. And, you know, the influence of porn and what, what that was doing to women um, of all ages and to men and to boys and girls at the average age of porn uh, that, a, that a, you know, teen stumbles upon, it's actually 11. And so the conversation around Whoa. the vagina and, and, you know, how we should act and sound in bed, all of a sudden, mm-hmm. you know, our teenage kids, right? Our, our teenage kids were, were hearing about stories. And I, you know, the perfect V was the first chapter that I wrote about and it mm-hmm. had to do with I remember. You know, what is it, what's a perfect vagina? Like, what do the lips look like? What, what is, you know, is there such a thing? Um, God, how so, much pressure is that? The book is called Sheology, by the way, everyone. Sheology. Yeah. Sheology. So Sheology really came from, from people like you, Brooke, you know, people who were, talking about it's not just our bodies ourselves anymore i mean this is beyond that this is Mm -hmm. about real issues that have been propelled 
you know, by people um, on social media, by, by our president, by the Me Too movement. And so it, it, was, it was a really fun um, perspective about, let's really talk about the embarrassing. Let's talk about the mm-hmm. taboos. Let's really talk about it in a way that we can make, you know, use humor, of course, because I think that's always a good mm-hmm. message. And then, and then get into the real issues. And so geology was all about that. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of my, my influence, influencers, patients, celebrities, they all wanted to jump on board. I had Reese, Reese Witherspoon wrote the foreword and, and, you know, Brooke Shields introduced the, you know, pregnant V. Um, and she, <laughs> Nobody really and talks about actually, that, by the way. Actually, yeah, actually it's the postpartum V and she could introduce her postpartum depression and really talk about it. So mm-hmm. It was just it was just a great collaboration, and it led me to my sequel that just came out. Um, because there's not just one book about the vagina and issues related to women's health. There was so much more, and and I was really excited about this book because you know I could do a Me Too uh, V and talk about issues mm. as it relates to doctor misconduct, things that you know what's a normal exam. I mean, should yeah. your doctor be stroking your nipple in a way that <laughs> you know for checking for you know discharge? that, you know, is more medically driven or what? So it's a good question. I mean, yeah. are, this is like, I might interest it is so picade right now, you know, just the, thinking about all of these questions, like what does the, a normal vagina look like, you know, right, and, yeah. and it's laying there in that vulnerable position. You're open, you're, it feels so incredibly vulnerable. So why not just talk about everything else you have? And with your medical knowledge, you can answer these questions for women because I think, and sorry to segue a little bit here and get and go derail, but I, you know, who else I open up to is my hairdresser because it's so intimate for them to touch my head. But what does my hairdresser know about my vagina, right? <laughs> yeah. But, <laughs> probably yeah. a lot. So, yeah. Yeah. Probably, probably a lot. Probably a lot. <laughs> so funny. When you're Fancy. going for a, um, for a pap smear or an exam, like where's the consent piece? You know, like, are they just going to insert in exerted in when you're not ready like is there a way you can prep yourself or you could do it in your own timing and um i'm sure yeah. you have some well you know it's called good communication and i think doctor you know doctor manner <laughs> and there's manners you know i think that's really true i mean doctors have to ask you know a good doctor especially male doctors so if you are uh with a male doctor they really by law or not by law but they should have a a chaperone or they should mm-hmm. have asked you, do you want to Even for their own safety? Yeah, absolutely. And, and, yeah. and not all doctors do that. A lot of doctors get comfortable. Um, so, you know, you sort of should know what to expect. And, and if you're not comfortable with your doctor, then there's many others that you can, you know, find, you know, sadly our medical care system is broken. You know, you're sort of given a list of providers mm-hmm. and, you know, you can't necessarily go off, you know, your BFFs recommendation. Um, but you know, guess what? You can go on Yelp. You can, women mm-hmm. love to talk. And especially if it's a bad experience, <laughs> yeah. you know, you know, you're going to find something out about that doctor. Mm-hmm. I think it's really mm-hmm. important. You have choices yeah. um, and you should yeah. know what to expect with a gynecological exam. I mean, I, you got to get my book just to read that. Um, yeah, I, I think it's so important, you know, Dr. Ross, it really is. And I love that your book is all, all about misunderstandings and questions and answers because it's incredibly 
real how uncomfortable a lot of women are so much so that they forget the things that they even wanted to talk about when they get into that vulnerable position in the office. And I'm just wondering if you have some specific things that might just open up a new conversation for us about misunderstandings, misconceptions about the vagina, because we continue to surprise ourselves about how uneducated so many women are to the point where it's depriving them of pleasure. Oh. And wow! Well, how much time? Give us a couple. Give us the top <laughs> three. three. The top. Give us top three, because um, I, I I'm sure there are common ones that keep continue to come up. Yeah. Well, you know, you want it to be more to sexual health or just in general. What, whatever I you mean, think. Whatever yeah. you think is important. You know. Well, I think I think first and foremost, you have to know. You got to know her well. You got to know your vagina your vulva well because if you don't know what's going on down there your lady parts and what's normal then you're not going to know what's abnormal so the first thing is you get out a mirror and i always do this with my young uh patients and sometimes mm. older, they really want to know and i'm like hey have you you've, you've taken a look you know let's talk about your vagina let's call the vagina and vulva by their names Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, why is it that 65% of women can't even say the word vagina? 65%? Yeah. 40%, you know, or use code names, you know, Harry Potter, the JJ, Cooch, Happy Trail, Pink Taco, (laughs) Diver, you know, Happy (laughs) Promised Land. I can keep going. Um, so you have to be able to comfortably talk about your vagina and, and really know what's going on. You have to know where your clitoris is. Mm-hmm. Very important. You have to know where the urine comes out. You have to know the vulva is very different than the vagina. The vagina has always been sort of the word, but, but it's, you have to separate it out because there, most of our problems as it relates to infections and itching and irritation tend to be with the vulva, right? I mean, as far as what you you feel. I mean, you get discharged and so on, but you have to be able to use your the terminology correct. So I think first and foremost is to know know your lady parts, know your vagina well. Yeah. Take out a mirror. Have you all taken out a mirror? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Of course you yep. you have. Um, so I think I think that's really important. And and there's a lot of misconceptions, but that's starting it off. I think, you know, and I think you have to know your pleasure. You know, I think masturbation and knowing your sexual wellness, you have to know it first because mm-hmm. you, you have to give your partner the roadmap to, mm-hmm. you know, what you like and what you don't like. And that, that's a big one because 10 to 20% of women have never had an orgasm. That's a lot, you know, and, and, and. Or what is your, what is your opinion on that? Do you think that? Well. They physically can't. Do you think it's mental, emotional? Do you think there are ways to break through that? Yeah, I, I think it goes back to, you know, just how we're trained socially, culturally, religiously. Yeah. Um, you know, that sex is for men. I mean, men need it more than women. Um, how often do we hear that? They need it. I mean, women need it just as much. Uh, just like eating and sleeping, you know, it's really part of, of who we are. Um, and I think to admit that we like to pleasure ourselves or mm-hmm. that we masturbate, it's very different because, you know, men wake up with an erection and it's, you know, it, it just feels like, well, they're, you know, it's easier because it is mm-hmm. easier. I mean, the average time it takes for right. a man to have an orgasm is five minutes, but for women, it's 20 minutes. So, mm-hmm. you know, there's, 
there's a, you know, I think sort of the act of pleasing yourself, it's usually your first sexual experience is masturbation for one, but, but, you know, sex should be equally important to both partners. I think that's really important. So, you know, by going over the anatomy and saying, you know, you know what this is for, you know, what the clitoris is for, have you ever had an orgasm? You know, it brings out a whole conversation. Some, some women don't want to look, they don't want to see it. They don't want to, you know, they don't even have a, a, relationship with their vagina and I think that's important that you have to have one because it it really speaks to all the other embarrassing issues that you don't want to talk about but if it's really part of your body just like any other part and you know you have to take care of the vagina and you have to you know you have to know about everything about her because if you don't know what's at you know normal you're not going to know what's abnormal yeah so true I get a lot of questions around from women around their arousal um, and like really feeling into or thinking that their lubrication is the, the, the indicator that they're aroused. Mm. What are your thoughts on that? Because I, I, I have my own thoughts. But I... Yeah, well, listen, for women, you know, our, our pleasure zone is above the shoulders, right? It's, it's our head. Desire, you know, if you don't have desire, you're, you're really, it's hard to even go down the next few you know, stages of Mm -hmm. achieving an orgasm, because for a lot of women, you know, it's all about wanting, wanting your partner, you know, first and foremost, and and all those things that lead into it. So what affects our our desire for our partner? I mean, if, you know, you're not getting along, it's not going to necessarily happen for you because you need that connection. And that's, that's the whole, that's the whole conversation about women's needs versus men's but women have to have that connection so lubrication i mean we get wet because we are anticipating something that's going to happen and we're enjoying it so you know if you don't have the right foreplay if you're not in the right mood it's hard to get wet i mean in my opinion i mean aside from menopause and and the issue related to low estrogen where it's harder to get your natural vaginal secretions um I do think if you don't feel that desire for someone sort of, you know, under 50 and not having an estrogen issue, you know, that's part of it. I mean, you need all those, those sort of balls to come together before you can actually get wet because you vaginal dryness is such a common problem. And why is it, you know, you're not, you know, having the adequate foreplay for women, they love to make out and kiss and, you know, how often is that happening? So it really goes into so many details about what's leading you to that ultimate act. Mm-hmm. What do you think, Leela? I know you have thoughts. Yeah, I, you know, a lot, I feel that engorgement is more of an indicator of arousal than wetness. Um, just purely because we have as, as much erectile tissue as men um, and the clitoris extends internally. Um, and it, it swells up and it gets flooded with blood just as a penis does. And until you are fully engorged, that is like, I think, I feel like peak, like not peak arousal, but that's, that's when you are ready. Um, and, you know, wetness, people think, oh, I'm not wet, so I'm not, um, I'm not turned on. But it, it, I don't think it's the primary indicator. I, I think it's all of that, you know. It's I mean, all I of think it, you, totally. You need, you need all those things because some women just don't, you know, that they're not that adequately lubricated, but they still are 
feeling, you know, you feeling the twinges down there. You're feeling mm-hmm. yourself getting injured. You're feeling really excited sexually and, and you get the twinges, right? We all know what that feels mm-hmm. like. And it's really exciting, but you may not, you know, you may not get wet. Um, it sort of goes back to, and I'm sure you, you've heard this quite a bit is, mm-hmm. you know, if you bring in lubrication into the bedroom, you know, more power to you, it doesn't mean that you have a problem, right? Right. You know, right, right. You know, good extra virgin coconut oil on the big fan of in the bedroom. <laughs> I was just going to say that. <laughs> yeah, it was one of, the best, one of the best tips that you ever gave me. And maybe we can speak briefly about that because I think we are so, such a quick fix society, so quick to go get an over the counter or ask for a script or whatever, or think we have some kind of an irritation or yeast or an infection when we have discomfort. And I can remember when Dr. Ross said to me, Brooke, just go get the coconut oil. It is like the end all be all. It will heal everything. And it does. I mean, and oftentimes, it's not a need for lubrication necessarily. It's a protective, um, just ritual for me. And it feels great. And I think it's comforting and soothing with and without sex. And I think it's extremely healing. I mean, I'll use coconut oil on my eyes, hair, feet, everything, but especially the vagina. Like, oh, yeah. It, it's, <laughs> I, sure. I, I, yeah, I always say if there's one, one thing I needed to bring to a desert Ireland, it would be extra virgin. Yes, me too. It's a, it's, a, it's a great hydrator. And, um, you know, the vagina needs to be moisturized to the vulva. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. it's your whole body enjoys the feeling of extra virgin coconut, but it feels so good. And, and it just, uh, it just, it's win-win. I'm it does. My, my, my girlfriend shared an incredible tip that I'll share with you girls. So you take a tiny little blob about the size of like, you know, like, like a bullet, let's say of coconut oil and you wrap it up in saran wrap, you put it in the freezer and she would actually pre freeze <laughs> tons of them. And then when you need it or you're sore or you're feeling discomfort, you can go take it out of the freezer, pop it inside deep inside and the coconut yeah. oil will just melt. Yeah. And it's an incredibly wow. natural way of just comforting yeah. and soothing um, mm. your body. And it's also, I think for people who might not have natural lubrication, it's like great. I don't know how you yeah. medically feel about I, that. I, and, and I think it's an that, amazing idea. Yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> yeah. So you can also get the small ice cube trays, the small mm-hmm. mini ice cube trays and yep. do the same and fill it up, put it in the, um, um, in the freezer. And then before you go out with your partner, let's say, you know, you're going to, you know, you're going to dinner and go to movies or what have you, but you want to have a nice lubricated vagina. Mm-hmm. You can do the same thing, put the frozen <laughs> I, little baby ice cube. Yep. Yep. Use your little pointer <laughs> finger and you're, you're good to go. <laughs> I love it's it. Like a little, it's like a little lubrication tampon. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Dr. Sherry, what do you think, what do you think men need to know about the vagina? Well, the vulva. Yeah, well, all of it, right? I mean, I think they really need, they need, you know, they need to be part of the conversation. They need to understand because everyone's different. You know, every, every vulva, every clitoris likes to be stroked and rubbed and sucked and pressed in different ways. So, so one vagina is going to be different than the other and the out, you know, the vulva as well. So I think it's the, 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 the male partner that really, you know, before they get you know, into really deep sexual relationship, you know, he needs to communicate, you know, what do you like? How do you like to be touched? You know, how can I make this a really good experience for you as well? Um, mm-hmm. And, and the, the male partner, female partner, that has that conversation with you ahead of time, I think is, you know, really cares because 
you know, you don't want to wait until the lights are off and, you know, you, you're touching and you're waiting to hear the sound of a woman's moans because you know that 50, you probably know that 59% of women fake orgasms with wow. their male partner with, wow. you know, so that's a lot. So, and if you've watched porn, mm. you know, we all know how to, we all can fake it probably pretty well. Look at Meg Ryan, right? Um, <laughs> so I, I think you really need to, you know, you want to, if he wants to please you, mm-hmm. he needs to talk to you about what you like. And then you in turn need to be able to verbalize it. Yeah, absolutely. You know, speaking about um, vaginal health, women's health, what is the latest on what's recommended for um, checkups and pap smears? Because I, I, I believe that it's changed over time. It has, it has. So can you just help educate us? Because yeah. it's so important, everyone. So, so important. Yeah. So, you know, the pap smear guidelines have changed. Um, and, and, you know, basically what we're doing now is your first pap's at 21. Um, that's sort of the rule of thumb. And then really between 21 and 29, you're sort of doing it like every three years. Um, and then thereafter, we're doing what's called co-testing with HPV. Mm-hmm. And we're doing, you know, pap smears and HPV testing up until 65. But again, it's spaced out every, you know, three years. And, and then really after 65, if you've had two normal pap smears, you don't need them anymore. And, and, and actually in between that, if you've had two normal pap smears every three years apart, you don't need them also. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's the, the culprit is really HPV. You know, that, that is... Uh, you know, 90% of men and women pretty much carry this uh, very contagious and silent um, virus. And, you know, the, the vaccine has been helpful. It's, it's reducing the amount of cervical cancers, throat cancer, anal cancers that we're seeing as a result of HPV. But it's all about HPV. I mean, they're even talking about, you know, should pap smears just be HPV screening? Because that's mm-hmm. what's going to put you at mm-hmm. risk. What are, you, what are your thoughts on um, older women getting the HPV vaccine? You know, it was recommended for me after I got a divorce. It wasn't available when I was a younger woman that I'm aware of. Um, yes. What do you think about that? Yeah, I'm all for it. So, you know, before it was up to 20, uh, you know, 26, 27 was sort of the age, 26. But now it's good for up to 45 for women. Um I listen, and I still believe you should get it, even if you're over 45, because before it was, you know, said the FDA said, okay, over now 26 women over 26 could use it up to 45. I was recommending it. And I, and I think at some point it can't hurt you to, to be getting it. You know, you're, you know, this risk that the, uh, the group of women with the uh, sort of the second most common STD groups is over 45. Mm. That's the fastest growing group of STD recipients, men and women over 45, because they're not wearing a condom, right? Mm. They're not as worried about pregnancy. Uh, They're probably, you know, just not using condoms and not really thinking about, about STDs at that age, but we're seeing it. I'm Elia Connie, and this is Family Therapy. My best hopes, I guess, identify the life that I want and and work towards it. I never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. I get the impression that you don't 
feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? That's true. And I'm not offended by that. Thank you for, for going through those things and thank you for overcoming them. Wow. Thank God for deliverance. Every time I have like one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. I feel like my focus is redirected in a, in a different aspect of my life now. So, how'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy. Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to talk about and go through all the things that are sometimes difficult to process alone. We're going to go over how to regulate your emotions, diving deep into holistic personal development, and just building your mindset to have a happier, healthier life. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. (laughs) People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune into what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? And basically have conversations that can help us get through this crazy thing we call life. I already believe in myself. I already yeah. see myself. And so when people give me an opportunity, I'm just like, oh, great, you see me too. We'll laugh together, we'll cry together and find a way through all of our emotions. Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. We started talking about this incident. Drugs and uh, officials cover up. <laughs> you couldn't believe it. From iHeart Podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. A story about money, power, and corruption. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. There's no way that that guy's a doctor. I'm Paul Pringle and I'm an investigative reporter for the LA Times. This is the story of an investigation that starts in a hotel room in Pasadena, California, and reaches all the way to the top of two of the most powerful institutions in the city of Los Angeles. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. This is Fallen Angels, the story of California corruption. We're always gonna have predators. It's the good people who stand by and do nothing that allow them to flourish. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Any advice on um, low sex drive? Because it sure comes up a lot with our questions. We get emails yeah. from our, yeah. our listeners. Um, you know, we find that it's a very emotional mind-body union, um, emotional union, but... Uh, we haven't really medically talked about it a whole lot. Yeah. And, you know, 40% of women experience, you know, low libido. Um, it's very common. And, and to your point, there's many levels of the why, you know, if you, if you just, you know, you really talk to someone and I always, when someone tells me, you know, who's 28, 30 and like, you know, I just, I don't feel it. I don't, I don't have any, my sex drive is really low. You know, I'll, you know, we'll start talking about the relationship that, that that person has with their partner. You know, how is your relationship? And sometimes it's very clear that you have a low sex drive because you really don't even like your partner very much. <laughs> <laughs> like that's like the obvious one. Um, 
and and it's sort of getting into that that issue and then of course a personal uh just the person's sort of state of mind and and how they're feeling you know how are you you know you having any depression and, and how are you feeling about yourself because you have to be in the mood to want to have sex and to want to really go down that path because it's not easy for women to have an orgasm i mean there's you got to be in the right headspace, right? You, you can't mm-hmm. close your eyes and lay back while someone's going down on you and be making your market list or worrying <laughs> about, you know, how you're going to you know, be paying your bills or, you know, I'm kind of mad at you because you didn't empty the trash and you've kind of been a dick to me. I mean, the, this is what, you know, women go through. So you have to be present and, you know, you just can't bring in some of the other issues. So it's really teasing out all these issues um, that affect our sex drive. And then mm-hmm. you know, we do look med- I mean, medically that, that is definitely true and things, you know, like thyroid dysfunction and your estrogen level and perimenopause and menopause and menopause. It's not friendly to the vagina in any way. <laughs> it, it's just not friendly at all, but yeah, you know, I can fix it when we turn off estrogen and, and a woman in their forties are going through perimenopause and their estrogens are erratic. And you start to feel, you know, you don't, you have hot flashes, night sweats, anxiety, depression, low sex drive. I mean, we can, we can balance a lot of those hormones 40 and up. Um, there's a lot of herbs that I have looked into um, with science behind them to help with you know, passion flower extract, for example, it is great for a lot of the perimenopause and menopausal symptoms. Ashwagandha, fenugreek, you know, fenugreek royal uh, jelly, chromium. You know, there's a lot that have been studied that show that is going to stabilize our hormones. Um, so much so, I, I have a supplement line called Chiology uh, supplements ah. that that are are prescription alternatives. I mean, that's. You know, Western doctors, I mean, we're trained, double-blinded, randomized studies are the only prescription medications that we can prescribe, but we know that's not true. I mean, we know yeah. there are alternatives. And I love that about you. I love that I you love think that outside thing. of the box. I want to tell everybody also to go to she-ology.com because it's really amazing, um, you know, in the medical world that you're in, that you're thinking about. Um, you know, natural possibilities, because it's, you know, it's a big controversial conversation, and it's not going to be knocking on our door, you know, and and women yeah. need to get educated about how to or not to deal with it and what their choices are and find comfort in their own body and figure out how to navigate that, whether you're going to manipulate it or not, or work through it emotionally, physically, it's, it's a biggie, right? Yeah. But, but I, I want to mention, you know, one of the things that I also love for the vagina and dryness um, is hyaluronic acid. Like I'm a big fan, as big a fan as I am for extra virgin coconut oil. Um, oh. hi- hyaluronic acid, you know, again, I'm a, a big believer. You have to treat your vulva and vagina like your face. You need the same routine. Never heard this. Wait, so um, t- talk us through that. I think the acid well, scares a lot of people. So I think we should tell people exactly what it does. Yeah. Yeah. So here's the thing. The the vagina vulva, they have very sensitive skin. 
there's sweat glands, hair follicles. It's very, you know, you're at a higher risk for, you know, dirty area with the rectum being so closed, sweating, working out, whatever your routine is. But the outside needs hydration and the inside, right? Just the skin, um, maintenance of, of keeping it moisturized. So that's where I do like, Berkey, we talk about extra virgin coconut oil on the outside and doing baths and soaking in it because it hydrates the tissue. Dryness of the skin leads to itching, right? You know, vaginas itch all the time. And it's, it has nothing to do with the yeast infection. It has to do with dryness. So, you know, and also waxing, shaving, lasering, it, it leads mm -hmm. to dryness. So, so hydrating, moisturizing, and using proper soaps that are vagina friendly, fragrant. Like, like what? Well, I look, I'm a big fan of Summer's Eve. Um, I, you know, think products that are really made for the vagina, um, refresh products also that are just gentle, you know, the, the pH balance and won't disrupt the inside of the vagina is very sensitive. It likes to be acidic. That, that word sounds horrible, but the, you know, the, the 30 or so organisms that are, you know, foot soldiers and keeping the vagina clean and acidic and anything you use that can disrupt that, whether it's a fragrant bath soap from Paris or, you know, maybe a soap you're using that is not vagina friendly, disrupts that, right? And then you can uh, get a yeast or bacterial infection. So acid or hyaluronic acid, even though it sounds terrible, the vagina likes it to be acidic. So there is a vaginal acid, hmm. hyaluronic acid that helps keep in the moisture. It, it makes the tissue um, very supple and hydrated. So is it know, made for, for the giant, for the vagina? Yeah. Yeah. People, there's a, yeah. People use it on their face as well. It's, a, yeah, that's it's, why, a, it's an it ingredient in care. Yeah. But there, you're not saying is, use our, you're not saying use well, the skincare for our face on our vagina, are you? No. So there is one, okay. there's a couple, there's a couple out there. Uh, Revavi, uh, is a good product. Um, mm -hmm. we, you know, it's a hyaluronic acid for the vagina inserted every three, every three nights. Um, and it really, you put it in, I've, I've done it a few times, you know, I put it in at bedtime and you'll get up and it, it can be a little runny, but it's very good. And you have to take care of the vagina, like your face, because you need a program. You need a maintenance program. You need to commit to her. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you got to do it. You got to do it in the same way. This is definitely that, a conversation we are not having. And I mean, I definitely. rarely hear that. And I feel like just of late, we're starting to hear that, that we have to care for, you know, the elements of our vagina, that skin, the same way. Look at what we do for our skin and our face, the same with our body. hundred percent. I'm so glad you said that. Yeah, I, it's, it's true. It's, it's fun. And we're, you know, we're, uh, everyone wants these conversations. We need it. We need mm -hmm. these important topics coming out. You know, I'm, I'm going to, uh, we're coming out with Lady Parts, Ellen Digital Network. Uh, we're yeah. doing a show with Ellen's awesome. team called so good. Lady Parts. And uh, we need I it. cannot wait to just keep this conversation going. And it's coming out this summer. And just, you know, there's just so much to cover. There's yeah, no so end to it. You know, I'm so glad yes. you're doing that. I, I can't wait for that. You know what I wanted to do, Leela, so that maybe you and Sherry can take this one. Um, I wanted to read one of our email questions that came in mm -hmm. um, from E. Can I read it? And would you give us your, your expert opinion? Um, it comes from a woman named E. 
Uh, I'm a 28-year-old female who has never orgasmed. I've had six partners, two of which were long-term. I'm now single. I've read that it's not about the orgasm. It's about the pleasure. You have to figure out what you like. It's mindset, blah, blah, blah. Where I really struggle on this is I'm not someone who necessarily enjoys those things. I don't like doing it myself. I'm now eight years in to a new relationship. I feel defeated. I'm a very sensory person. So I've tried low lights and candles, baths, different smells, toys, music, blah, blah. Do you have any tips for someone who doesn't enjoy the exploration or the work of it? Wow. <laughs> Go ahead. You can start. It's a big question, right? It's, um, I mean, there's, first of all, I think you have to rule out any kind of hardware issues. So if, if like, you know, hormonal imbalances and things like that. Um, also, one of the big ones I've spoken about a lot on the podcast is um viewing orgasm in maybe a different light so commonly when we think of orgasm we think of one particular way which is really similar to the way that a man ejaculates which is climax and so that's one definition of orgasm but there's likely like a whole different a whole plethora of different experiences that are available and it doesn't have to look this one particular way so viewing orgasm differently um, and also when there's a lot of pressure around orgasm and trying to get there that can be the very thing that like gets you off track and produces like anxiety and frustration and disappointment and shame mm. and all of these emotions and they can be like one of the big blocks and with this particular question I feel like she's kind of saying that she's not into masturbating and it, it's um it's a it's I would say you have to like masturbation is is the way forward purely because if you're doing you're trying to figure out your own body with a partner it's impossible for you not to try to partner please or be concerned about your partner's pleasure in that and that can be also hugely distracting so if mm -hmm. you can create a space that is not pressurized that isn't goal orientated like you're not trying to get yourself to orgasm but you're just um being in your own pleasure and discovering your body and taking orgasm right off the table and just exploring that's like that's definitely a, a way to discover what you're into and to look to to look at yourself to feel yourself and to recognize your own responses um i don't feel like there's anything wrong with e um she's i wouldn't say she was non-orgasmic she's just pre-orgasmic like she hasn't got there yet and like mm -hmm. dr sherry said there's like 10 percent, 10 what 10 to 20 percent of women um, in that category so she's pre-orgasmic and there there are also lots of different ways um, in which you can build sexual energy that that then overflow into orgasm so one of the ways is edging um, I'm not sure if we, have we spoken about that on the podcast but it's kind of like not in detail yeah building the sexual energy you could use um, you could use a vibrator you could use your hand and like building the energy and then backing away from it and then continuing to build and backing away from it and doing that multiple times so that sexual energy and arousal in your body is really like kind of peaking um so that's one way but i want to hear from dr sherry because uh, wow, I, I like that lot. edging mm -hmm. that, that's i've never heard that term but I, that makes a lot of sense was that in last week's? <laughs> I, I like that. we had a lot of sex wow. terms that were just yeah, that were edging <laughs> I mean, I know rib, rimming, but I haven't heard of edging. Yeah. <laughs> um, I like that. You know, I think you brought up really good points. Um, 
you know, you know, it's interesting. I mean, I do think there's just so much to gain when you can sit with yourself to, mm -hmm. to explore your own body, because to be in a relationship for as long as Eve has been and, and E has been and not, you know, gotten there, I don't know what kind of conversation they've had together, but I think it's, um, there is an additional pressure to your point that, you know, sometimes doing things yourself and not having an expectation and not that orgasm is the end all be all, but it, I think if you've never had one, I think it's important to allow your body or learn away. And sometimes, you know, if you're, if you've seen your gynecologist, they've ruled out some of these medical issues that you brought up, that's good. But sometimes it's important to go to a sex therapist and someone that can also walk you through, you know, what, what that routine and, and what that looks like, because yeah. it's new, it's scary. And who knows what has been going on in her past. I mean, mm -hmm. you always want to rule out abuse and, and things like that, but often it's religious convictions that, you know, you've heard all your life that, and things that, that sometimes a therapist can kind of help you through that. Yeah. 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 Um, I, I also have... think some people can be really stuck in their way of, um, or not stuck, but just limited like a mental block tools there are to use like different stroking techniques and different ways to put pressure um, on the vulva and different internal techniques and different areas of and pleasure spots. And so there, there are some amazing resources like omgyes.com is a great resource oh, and, yes. and it has videos of different women um, using different techniques and stroking themselves. So you can kind of mm. get ideas there. Um, and yeah, I have tons and tons of practices that, you know, to adopt in self-pleasuring uh, as well to, to kind of bring more meaning, but also just more, more um, nuanced kind of awarenesses in self-pleasuring. Mm -hmm. I, I like what you both said, though, about getting rid of the end game pressure and sort of being playing the long game and just being open minded and, and exploring yeah. to wherever, you know, arriving wherever that may take you. I, I, I get it though. I, I really do. And I, I, I get her frustration. It's, it's uh, no, that that's great advice. I, I have a question completely off topic, but I, I wanted to get both of you to give me your take on this. We're hearing a lot recently about these um, period panties. I think one is called thinks she, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. I, I've never tried them. Some of my girlfriends are using them and like them. My daughters are inquiring um, in concept. It, 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 sounds strange to me but I, I'd like to try it before I have an opinion what what do you think about the health of using tampons have we come a long way from that um what do you think yeah I, I'll tell you um I'm a, I'm actually a fan of using them especially you know if you are a bleeder you you know sometimes you can't uh you know your tampon or your, your had that you're wearing, you know, you can't always change it. So timely is good for that spillover effect. Um, the, the current pads that women wear, if you're just comparing think, think underwear, I think are um, a little more gentler on the vulva because your everyday pad is, can be very um, disruptive to the tissue. Uh, you know, one of the things that I see quite a bit is itching, you know, women will come in with chronic itch unrelated to an infection. And the first question I say, are you wearing a pad? And a lot of women, 
actually wear a pad all the time because of, you know, they don't want to soil their panties from discharge and, mm-hmm. and, and they'll be like, yeah, I wear it all the time. And it's like, well, that probably is the number one reason why you have itching. Cause even if it's sterile and clean and so on, it's just very irritating for the vulva. So these panties, such as your naming thinks is a good one. You know, I think it's a good alternative or you can wear it at night. Also, if you're worried, you know, tampons should always, you know, shouldn't be left in place for more than eight hours. Uh, the, the cups, uh, menstrual cups, which I think are great too. They can be left in 12 hours, but think pads and things of those nature uh, are just a good alternative. Hmm. I think I gotta try it. I gotta use try them. them. A lot of people that I know use a cup in conjunction with, um, with things. Um, so they're capturing the majority of the bleed in a cup. And then sometimes with a cup, there can be overflow and, um, and it, or maybe it's not inserted correctly. And so there is some leakage. And so things kind of protect you um, mm-hmm. from that. And like, I've noticed a huge difference um, in using, I use pads and, um, and huge difference in using like an organic cotton, unbleached cotton pad other, rather than something that's more um, conventional. Or and are those harder to find, Leila? Uh, they, they can be, especially where I am right now. But mm. um, in the States, you can get them. They, they are more expensive. They, you got the female tax on all of that kind mm-hmm. of stuff, unfortunately. But, um, but I've, I've noticed way less irritation and, um, and yeah. So I think there's a lot of shame and a lot of anxiety with um, younger women less familiar with their body that are heavy bleeders that are mm. um, having overspill and bleeding out, dealing with it in life and in school. It's yeah. quite humiliating. Yes. They don't have, yeah. you know, the experience to know that it's, it's, you know, it happens. Um, so that's why I was about asking that, about that, Dr. Sherry? about heavy bleeding is it um because a lot of women are put on the pill because they are they are heavy bleeding yeah. and so what are your thoughts on that well you know um definitely i mean nowadays the average period is four to five days uh you should only bleed about you know three five tablespoons um of blood you know if you're passing clots or it's affecting your ability to go to school or play on a you know, on your gymnastic team, you know, there are things that we use and and it it is hormonal. It is the pill, but I think it's important to know that you can, you know, you can treat it and you don't have to suffer because, you know, we want to check your thyroid and make sure you don't have a uterine polyp or an ovarian cyst. You always want to get medically cleared um, because you shouldn't be bleeding so heavily, but there are things we can do. And even an IUD with progesterone, works really well at controlling your period. And I use it quite a bit just to, you know, just for that purpose alone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What, what are the, some of the causes of heavy bleeding or even light bleeding, really light bleeding? Well, you know, so if the average, you know, period is four to five days and you should only, you know, bleed three to five tablespoons. Um, and it's way beyond that. You know, one of the hormonal tests, we always check is thyroid. That's going to be the most common, you know, is there any hormonal imbalance? Do you have polycystic ovarian syndrome? Are you in, you know, perimenopause? Uh, Those are very common hormonal reasons, but then we look for things like, you know, structural things, you know, is it a fibroid? Is it a polyp inside the uterus? Those are all uh, uh, things that we can find out with a uh, ultrasound and certainly an ovarian cyst can also be the cause of it. Um, those are the main things that we see um, that can be 
you know, the cause of an abnormal and heavy period. I don't want to be greedy, but I have one more question, <laughs> one more question, and then we can wrap it up. Cause I, I, I think this is super important for our younger generation. Um, does a young woman, not an adult, a woman under 18 have the right to visit an OBGYN and seek personal protection, hormonal protection for their, um, sexual health? What is the law, the rule, um, on that? They do. They do. Um, without parental you know, consent, I guess. Yeah, they, they do. Um, I mean, they could go to Planned Parenthood anywhere in the country, um, and, and, you know, once you sort of sign in, you are protected legally um, to, to seek care and, and do whatever you want. I mean, the, the rub tends to be when you're like, hey, mom, can I, you know, bar, use your credit card to go to the doctor? Then they sort of find out. But, but anyone, and, and I remember talking to your daughter, and you know, I'm like, look, mm-hmm. you know, you, you're, you can talk to me openly and I cannot share anything mm-hmm. with your mom. Mm-hmm. Um, or dad, they can't call me and I, I can't do that because I think young women under 18 need to know that the, the relationship with your gynecologist is sacred and mm-hmm. it's confidential. And by law, HIPAA laws, you know, we can't, um, you know, say anything that that's taken place, even that you've even been there. So mm-hmm. yes, to answer your question, Brooke, that, that I think that's, that's really important. I really do. Is there anything else you want to leave us with or anything you'd like to say to women? I mean, we're hopefully all going to check out your site and read your book. It's fabulous, but yeah, um, you know, I I think women um, really have to be their best healthcare advocate. They have, you have to know your body. You have to know what's your normal to know what's your abnormal. And, 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 and as we're talking about the vagina and women's health, it's so important. Get the mirror out. Get, get to know your lady parts um, so that you're in touch with yourself because it it's, speaks to everything about you and, mm-hmm. it, you know, your confidence with yourself, your health. Uh, take charge and, and don't be afraid to ask the questions. Find the right doctor who's going to be there for you, wherever you are in the world. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Dr. Sherry Ross, thank Thanks. you so, so much. Thank you. And everybody, if you can Good. get your hands on Sheology, um, check it out, read it. It's amazing for the whole family. I love what you're doing. Congratulations on your second book. That's huge. I can't wait to see your new project too. And um, just thank you for helping educate our audience. Uh, thanks for having me, Brooke. Leela, thanks for uh, thank nice you. to meet you both. Bye. Okay, bye. You so bye. I'll see you soon. Bye. <laughs> bye. Take care. I loved that. That was so I great. Loved it too. Yeah. So I important. Loved it. And just to take a tack off what um, Sherry said, when like looking at yourself, it's re- and I've said it before on the podcast and I want to highlight it again. Not only should you look at yourself, but you should really look at other people's vulvas. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. because you want to be able to see that, okay, so if my inner lips are larger than my outer lips, then that is normal. Because, you know, everybody has different shapes, sizes, configurations, and we don't know that because we don't see other people. Um, yeah. So expose yourself. There are vulva galleries. There are yoni pages where you can just go and see the variation. Um, so, yeah, do that as, like in conjunction with looking at yourself because you'll see 
that you are completely normal. And it's so important because people's idea of normal is what they might be seeing in magazines or on porn. And those, by the way, are like cosmetically altered, like not normal looking vaginas. And can I ask you just not a silly question, but just to break it down because you and Dr. Ross spoke a lot about um, vulva and vagina, but we didn't, you didn't really break it down for people yeah. who might not know that just give us like a quickie and then we'll, yeah, we'll say goodbye. Everybody, everybody has different terminology. And when she was speaking, she was talking about the vagina as in the whole region. So vaginal canal and vulva. And then she teased it out and she said vulva and vagina. So she was talking about the vulva is the part that is exposed that you see. So it's the okay. labia, the labia, the clitoral tip, the, like the, and um, everything that you see on the outside. And then vagina scientifically really refers to the vaginal canal, so the internal. Um, and you'll see, you'll notice that there's, there's this whole wave of really calling it a scientific name. Like when I teach my sons, um, they don't say vagina, they say vulva. They, they see oh. my, yeah, my vulva. And so there's this whole oh. wave of people referring to it with its scientific name. Interesting. So there, there isn't as much confusion. Um, it's, and it's, it's in particularly important because a lot of wim, women experience pleasure um, mostly from external stimulation, so clitoral stimulation, not vaginal. So, you know, with this whole emphasis on vaginal, it's like you sh- like, and this is really important for our non or our pre-orgasmic listener um, that you know it's not all about penetration, and it's only seventy percent of women can achieve orgasm from hmm. penetration alone so you know we're, we're talking about the whole region and that's really important thank you for breaking it down and sharing your expertise i love that i learned no a lot worries. during this episode and it's so important i miss you i hope you feel better you thank you and i can't um, wait to come next i thing. know i yeah. know it's all good it's all it's wonderful mm-hmm. to be honest enough about what we're mm-hmm. all going through and um, keep writing to us, everyone, because we love yeah. your questions. It matters. We love hearing from you, and we will try to answer all of them. Find mm-hmm. us on the gram. Um, you can email us at ik at iheartradio.com. That's right. Bye, everybody. Have a beautiful day. Bye, everyone. Bye, Leela. Subscribe to Intimate Knowledge on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elliot Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, this is Paris Hilton. Trapped in Treatment is back, and this season we're taking on WASP, the worldwide association of specialty programs and schools. They held us in dog cages. They starved us. They beat us. It was trying to brand us. So we were going to become the McDonald's of kid treatment. Join my host as they unravel the story of the largest and most shocking organization in the history of the troubled teen industry. Listen to season two of Trapped in Treatment on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place 
for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. That's right. 